Hi, I'm Lucas James. And I'm Jordan Ross. And we're the co-hosts of How to Scale an Agency. After scaling our own agencies to over $185,000 per month in sales and working with agencies doing hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue like Hawk Media and Neil Patel, we've made this show to interview the top digital marketing agency owners and highlight the fastest ways to scale your agency. If you'd like to join the best digital marketing agency community on the planet and let us help you scale, go to twiz.io to sign up today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How to Scale an Agency. I'm on with the Tony Albrecht. He has a lot of content on LinkedIn that he's been pushing for the last year, year and a half. Really personal and compelling content about how to build business, how he's been growing his own marketing practices, working with lawyers and and also just content in general. And I've been following him personally for a while as his posts have gotten a lot of traction. And I think all of the people who listen to the show, if we're an agency owner, we want to get online, we want to get on LinkedIn. We want to get presents so we can get clients. And so I thought of no other person to ask other than Tony. Um, so I'm glad to have him on the show. Tony, thanks for being on. Thanks, Lucas. Good to talk to you, man. So Tony, what is the secret that you have to getting exposure on LinkedIn? What's the biggest thing that you uh, think it is? If I had to pick one thing, I think it's actually around generosity. And my strategy, and I've written about this, three things be consistent, be interesting, and be generous. And when people come to LinkedIn, we all, and I mean just about all of us, seem to come to that platform with this idea that we have to be quote unquote professional. I come to this game after litigating for more than a decade, right? So right. I, as a lawyer, lawyers were afraid to press like on a, on a post, right? We don't wanna get in trouble. And it was yeah. only after I stopped practicing law, took a business development role and kind of went a totally different direction where my, my buddy slash CEO said I had to learn LinkedIn that I started trying to figure it out. And I had very low expectations, but what I learned pretty quickly, you know, I, I did Justin Welsh's operating system, which I cannot recommend highly enough for somebody who wants to take it seriously. But what I learned is that the generosity thing is about like contributing to conversations. And like if right. you show up and you start contributing to conversations, what you can find is that the platform opens up in this new way. Like there's this mm -hmm. matrix-like quality that once it opens up, it becomes this totally different animal than the thing we see. And right. that's the point where things can start to get interesting. Very interesting. One thing that I'm I'm really curious about as well is when you say about start like joining the conversation, I actually just had somebody on the show just a few weeks ago who was speaking about how he goes on like social listening tools to find what's trending either on Google Trends or uh, using tools like uh, Taplio is one that's been picking up some steam that just shows you top posts. So I'm curious, do you have a process around like finding what actually the conversation is and then being able to create content around that? Or how do you identify what conversation is actually happening? Where do you go? How do you do that? I'm not that strategic. So it's only been in the last two months really that I've started building a business where I'm actually using content as a funnel mechanism. Right. So like now I'm building a business around helping law firms leverage the platform in a new way. 
but like before that, I described myself as a dog chasing cars. My goal with my content was to have it move, was basically to get engagement. I was trying to get in touch with nonprofit leaders. And I used the content as a way to get on their feeds consistently. So when I slid into their DMs asking for a meeting, I was more likely to get it. But my content, when I started, and this goes back to the operating system, I chose the lane of creative process because that was something I had been studying for six years. I could talk about it all day long. Right. And it was through talking about creativity that I got connected with a bunch of other people who cared about talking about that started to gain traction through basically having a crew of creative, right? Right. And like just optimizing for growth that way while also adding nonprofit leaders to my network as I went along. And ultimately it worked, but yeah, the being strategic about like what conversations are happening is all well and good. But what I found amazing about LinkedIn, what I didn't realize was that it functions a lot like Twitter in Mm -hmm. terms of like having corners, you've got the tech corner, you've got like for legal, there's a legal corner. You've got the recruiters, you've got the copywriters, you've got the B2B agency owners, right? Like there are all these little corners instead of, like watching trending topics, which frankly, I mean, if you pay attention, you can, they just come, you just see them. Right, 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 right. For me, it's been more about focusing on what I want to talk about and then having the energy start to collect around that. I mean, I've interviewed probably like 30 different people who produce a lot of content. It definitely is the case that, you know, consistency is the most important of all the things. It's like, consistency is the most important. And then there's a mix of people talking about jumping on trends and then other people talking about not jumping on trends. And there's like not a clear answer there. You know, it's kind of like a mixed bag of what the right strategy is after the consistency part. But I feel like consistency for sure is definitely the thing everyone agrees upon is the most important part. Yeah, for sure. Goes to your goals to a large degree. Now you're making me think that maybe I need to be tracking that stuff better. (laughs) Well, you know, it's kind of funny. I mean, I'll tell you what's been on my mind because I, I'm always trying to like seek the truth out on like these creators and see like what's going on, what's, who's getting the best engagement, like how they're doing it. And, you know, I would say like one thing that is kind of emerging as a pattern, which I find fascinating is that the whole social listening thing is kind of coming across pretty strong just because like I tested it for myself and some of my more recent posts, what I do is I literally just go to Google Trends and then I also go to Taply and then I go to like some other tools and I go to like LinkedIn newsfeed. And I'm just like, where, what are people talking about? And then like, how can I take the thing they're talking about and chime in on it? So like on our podcast, one of our episodes that got a lot of views was how to grow during a recession because we were able to grow during a recession last year in the mini recession we had. And I just documented that story and that got a lot of coverage. And I think you know, now it's so pertinent, you know, it's such a topical thing, being able to like comment on like the interest rate hikes and things like that. I mean, it is kind of working well. I had a, a post that did well with uh, chat GPT because everyone was like obsessed with that. that and there still, yeah. are, there still are obsessed right now, but it's like that instantly picked up. And for the most part, most of my other content, when I was doing the just post about like agency life thing and like how to scale an agency, 
it really didn't get as much as I wanted it to. But now it's like really starting to pick up. Obviously, it's still a journey, but it's starting to pick up. So I feel you. And the way I think about that tension of what do I talk about with, yeah. with content is when I'm working with clients, I talk about your corner of the internet. I think I took that from Seth Godin, but right. the idea being in the digital space, there's an infinite number of corners. The corners yeah. are free. Pick the one you want to preach from yeah. and own it. And it could be whatever you want, but for you, you know, you're, you're Lucas, the agency owner who helps others scale their businesses, right? Like that's, and that can be a corner, but I think we come to the platform on LinkedIn specifically thinking I can only talk about that, right? There's this tunnel vision that I need to be subject matter oriented and show that I'm the expert on this thing. And the bottom line is experts are boring. Like experts, experts are not generally interesting, right? right? What's interesting are people. So like what I train people on is it is not nearly as much about what you're talking about as it is about showing who it is doing the talking. And so like my stuff, you know, like I'm here with you from my shed in the woods up here in Ontario. And just about every Zoom call I have now, somebody mentions, ah, the shed is I take selfies from the shed. I do posts about having this weird snowmobile shed turned into an office. I'm a kid from St. Louis. So this is like my second winter up in Canada. It's still new. It's still weird. I came in from, we just cut down our Christmas tree from Mm. the forest behind our house. So when I come to the content, you know, like that stuff has nothing to do with ghostwriting, with being a lawyer on the platform, with how to write compelling content. But what it is, is me finding things that I'm interested in, right? That I find interesting. And by sharing that, that's, frankly, it's contagious, right? Like that being interesting, right? That's what I lead with all the time. 100%. I think the the thread line there between the two ideologies is basically this whole concept of, um, I don't know if you've read his books, but Russell Brunson's book, Traffic Secrets, one of my favorites. And he talks about how like when you're on social, you want to post as if it's a party, right? Like you're having a party or you're at a party. And I think that definitely is pretty pertinent because in either example, like if you're talking about a trend or you're talking about your own personal lifestyle, like both those things are subjects you'd have at a party. You wouldn't get up there and start like pitching your business at a party. Then they think you're not a cool person. They probably wouldn't want to follow you. And so I think that's the the thread. And I think Whichever way you take it, it's almost just like you got to delay the ask for as long as possible, as they always say, with like jab, 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 right hook, that whole concept. I think you just delay the ask. And so I've seen this even for outreach. When we do outreach to companies, we we won't even ask them to come on for a sales call. When I cold call a company or something, or one of my sales reps does, we just lead with some kind of value that just gets them interested. And then the sales part comes later, but you got to get the relationship building at first. And so I feel like you've done a really good job of that. It's showing in the content. So I appreciate the kind words. And I think that's exactly right. And that's the magic of social. Like that's what we're able to do there, right? Where to be able to go from a cold calling situation to one where you can reach thousands of people a week or a day 
where you're just letting them get to know, get to know you a little bit, know who you are, what you're like, what you care about, you can develop a level of affinity, a level of relatability and a level of trust before you ever pick up the phone to ask them for some. And I mean, I've seen that work in two different contexts now, you know, the nonprofit sector and the legal sector now. I mean, for both of those, both tend to be pretty buttoned up. And at this point, I'm leaning pretty hard into my sort of goofballness, you know, and and like my just being right, kind of off the beaten path a little bit. And I'm lucky that it's working. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I mean, I, I'll say for myself, one thing that I'm in the process of doing is I feel like the pillars of marketing are no like and trust, right? And I think- right talk about goofballness like that's the likability part and if you you're if you're an authority and you have some authority in the space like you do you're nailing all three which is probably why a lot of the content's doing well and i think for me i've definitely had content that's done well but anytime it did it was it was it was definitely like i think it was very much leaning on the the knowledge the no part like they knew about me and they trusted me but i think when you just lean on those two pillars you don't have the third one down then you're not going to reach like mass virality or like mass exposure. So I feel like uh, for me, one thing I'm focusing on a lot right now is like, how can I, to your point, get people to just feel like they like me as an individual because I'm not just all about business 24-7. Like it's actually, I'm like a human. And every, everyone can tap into this. They just can't always talk about business. It's like you kind of have to peel back the layer a little bit, get them to like you. If you've accomplished a lot, that's great. And if you post on LinkedIn, they'll know about you. So they'll trust you and they'll know about you, but they might not like you because they might just think, oh, this guy's just constantly posting about business. There's nothing there like on a human level. So it is interesting what you're saying. I think that's probably what's been working for you from what I'm seeing. I think that's spot on. Do you know Darren McKee? Sounds familiar, but. All right. So he's, he and his brother started this side hustle called SAS Bros, but he's, he's a little linky famous in the, in the sales space. And He was one of the first guys I noticed when I started paying attention and his whole deal was just, I'm a normal guy who started posting here, like just seeing if I could be of service to people. And the dude means it. He means it in a way that a year ago, I think he, when I first started following him, I want to say he was at maybe 15, 20,000. And yeah. at this point, I, I want to say he's up over 65, 70,000. I mean, he's, yeah. he's just blown up his stuff. I mean, I, I think he's broken like something insane, like 10 million impressions this year, just like wow. crazy numbers. But he talks very little about what he sells. You know, he's in like enterprise level sales. So for me, it's all about point of view. It's about what is the lens through which you're you're viewing the world and sharing what you're looking at. So to your point about like, you want to talk about chat GPT, you want to talk like the rise of AI, you want to talk about quiet quitting, you want to talk about, you know, inflation and interest rates. You can do that if that's something you're caring about, but don't give me a a term paper on, you know, Paul Volcker, right? I I want to know what Lucas, how it's affecting you in your life from where you're sitting there in California. Right. And right. the more we can show, and that's what Darren's so good at is that he's just constantly sharing basically like 
photos and snapshots of what he's seeing in the world in mm. a way that makes him super relatable, super likable. Yeah. And it's almost like you can't help but develop a level of trust through that, right? 100%. And there's been this working theory that I've had over the last 12 months. I'm curious to see your thoughts on this as well. I've shared it on the podcast and it's kind of like an open discussion in the community, which is, you know, I started posting content kind of similar to you, like not super long ago. I mean, the first time I started was like literally a year ago. I mean, I had some intermittent posting, but I hadn't really committed to it until about a year ago. The thing is, at first I did what everyone says you should do, which is just like post a ton, like often and just get that muscle built. And that was good actually for kind of building that muscle and building that. How often, how often were you posting? Oh man. I mean, Twitter, I was posting six times a day, LinkedIn four times a day. That's a load. Literally like YouTube once a day, podcast once a day, like max everything. Right. And I was just all in on it. It was part of the reason our podcast and software got a lot of traction, but in our community. But the thing is that, you know, it's kind of interesting because it's sort of uh, on certain channels, it kind of like hit a huge spike and then it, well, relatively speaking, and then kind of plateaued. Right. And mm -hmm. I think one thing I'm starting to see now is while you do want to have a lot of volume, my thesis, I'm curious if you agree or disagree with this. My thesis right now is you do want to have a lot of volume, but now that I'm a year into it, I'm thinking, okay, volume is very important, but volume in my mind is only important to the point where you can actually produce content that's quality. And I don't mean content that took like $10,000 to make. I just mean like you actually like thought about it. Like, it's not just like a random thing you just put up there. Like it's actually kind of, you kind of consciously thought through a little bit. You spent like 10 minutes actually coming up with it. It wasn't just like something you shot off the hip, right? There's actually a strategy there. And so like, that's been my take now in this new learning cycle. I'm going to my second year of creating content. That's kind of where I'm thinking. Like I'm a lot more conscious about the stuff I put out. Where are you on that? Like, do you still think it's just volume or do you think it's like you spend a lot of time with each post? Like, how do you fit on that spectrum? It's a really good question. Hi, this is Lucas James. Are you struggling to get meetings booked with potential prospects for your agency? I'll tell you what, when I first started, I had the same issue, but I was able to A-B test hundreds of different variations of copy on multiple channels and figured out a secret formula to convert anyone from anywhere into taking a meeting with me. I've mastered this approach and now my agency, Twiz, books meetings on autopilot. Last year, we booked 1,731 meetings, closed 234 accounts, and generated $1.72 million in revenue. I want the same thing for your agency, so I've decided to give away some of my best performing outbound copy scripts for free. That's right, absolutely free. If you want to transform your business for free, go to scale.twiz.io to get your free lead scripts today. That's scale.twiz.io scale s c a l e dot twiz dot i o now back to the show my starting point is all about point of view in a yep. way that i think i'll probably post about this christmas tree thing and that post will take me four minutes to write you know i've got the photo i expect that post to break ten thousand impressions on linkedin without too much trouble right because it's just Delightful, you know, and like, I wasn't thinking about it, but like, after that, it's like, okay, yeah. Like once you develop those muscles, you start seeing content everywhere. 
I'm really big on developing a system. And at this point, I don't typically post more than once a day for the most part, but I'm like over 300 posts on LinkedIn this year. I'm approaching 3 million impressions. And what's been huge for me is having a system where I'm capturing ideas in real time, right? Like as they go, like I use a Trello board and I rely on it pretty heavily where some stuff just ends up like the Christmas tree thing isn't going in the Trello board. That's just boom, 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 like four sentences. We're on our way. Right. But for a lot of it, I do want those things to bake. I I want the ideas to bake and get developed over a little bit of time so that they come out. Like part of my thing is like, I guess I'm out in the world as a writer. I put my first book out this year and I've taken writing very seriously for a long time. And so for me, there's a level of sharpness and clarity to the prose while also keeping it as relatable as I can, as accessible as I can, uh, that frankly, I think takes time. To your point, I'm not in a hurry on a lot of things to do it. I want to like, there's a standard that I adhere to to make it look like I wasn't trying at all. You know, it's like that sort of thing. But ultimately something on my own podcast about LinkedIn, something that keeps coming up. And on that, I basically talk to serious creators for the most part. And something that keeps coming up is the game changed once they started going to multiple times a day. And Mm -hmm. like, when you do that, you're inherently going to be spending less time on each post it seems like for most yeah. people uh what do you mean by that um did they did the algorithm shift a little bit is that what it, you mean? it looks that way yeah i mean this oh. is i think of augusto rosso is one guy matt barker's yeah. another I'm, I'm blanking on who a third who's been on there who's yeah. talking about it but salman muhuddin who's another like blown up this year just in nine months i think he's at about sixty thousand in the sales space as well but like all those guys talk about things blew up once I started posting more than once a day. I was surprised by that actually, but that's the one thing that they all attributed their hyper growth to that all three of those dudes had blown up. Yeah. And like, I've never, but I think to your point, I don't really want to, I don't want to do that in a way that I've, I've been resistant to. I haven't made myself do it, but I'm not sure. Shift. I mean, when I was doing, yeah, I didn't really have a lot of time to uh, think through things. And um, that's a crazy amount of content, man, what you were doing. Yeah, I was doing a lot. And and to be honest, I think I was doing a lot and I was posting a lot and a lot of stuff was getting a lot of traction. And I think I, you know, well, first of all, my, my guiding thesis and everything right now throughout my entire business at this point is just like, I actually do not care about innovation. I only care about efficiency. I spent the last five years innovating. And uh, at a certain point, I feel like now the business has gotten to a certain size. I just care about efficiency. I just care about team culture. That's it. Nothing else matters to me. And I feel that way kind of with content because for me at least, where it's like, I was so obsessed with like fast growth and just like pushing the limits where that's not really the best strategy because then you also be prone to all these like, flags you can get from the platforms. Like if you do try to push things too fast and you get caught up in that mindset, you can start getting your stuff flagged. You might have like some content that 
that maybe you shouldn't have posted or something like that. You just, your, your wheels are spinning too quickly, I think. And so I think the underlying thesis that I have at least, which may be shared by the people or not, is that while it is probably the smart move to post multiple times per day, I think a lot of it comes down to the intention is like, is the intention to cut corners and, and just go a million miles per hour or is the intention this is what I'm doing for the algorithm. This is a conscious choice and I can keep up with the rate of content posting. And I know exactly like this is literally planned out. Like I have these four posts and I know what they're going to do. I have a strategy. I have time to think through the strategy and it kind of works, you know? So that's sort of where like my mind's been at recently is just having like that conscious thought behind everything and just like taking time to just really think through things and not just focus on speed and growth and speed and growth, you know? So I like that. Yeah, I, I would tend to subscribe more to your approach there. Yeah, it's definitely a harder one to subscribe to because <laughs> you hear the world telling you that like you have to go fast, you have to grow quickly. And it's like, I don't know if that's the right way to do things. So, Well, going back to your first question about my secret, I mean, my real secret when it comes to how I've created as much and kind of developed a, a pretty tight knit little group you know, yeah. like a community where, I mean, I'm, I just passed 6,000 in my network. So I'm not huge. It's that I don't care. That is actually my, my secret is like, I genuinely, I find it so amazing that this platform is the way it is. And yeah. I'm making actual friends and I'm meeting business partners and collaborators and right. like LinkedIn just in the last year, I started posting daily in January. It has changed my life as goofy as yeah. that sounds, but at the end of the day, my happiness does not depend at all on yep. how a post performs. And like, there are very few people whose opinions I truly care about. Right. And it's just you and me here. So I'll say this. I don't think any of them are on LinkedIn, right? Like yeah. the, the people whose opinions I actually need to yeah. get in my life. Yeah. They're just not there. And so yeah. because of social we get caught up in it, right? And it, it gets so easy to start to tie feelings of self-worth to how things are doing. And if, if content isn't doing well, it must mean I suck. And no, it doesn't mean you suck. It just yeah. means that for whatever reason, that thing didn't catch with the algorithm, right? And right. I mean, that's where the consistency comes in. It's just like, you get better over time because you learn the rules of the game. So it's like- the moment you you learn that you should never share or repost something on LinkedIn, your game just improved. Like yeah. once you, but before you know that, you're like, why don't these posts ever get more than 200 views? It's because the algorithm will not show people posts that have been shared, even when it's sharing another LinkedIn post. It makes no right. sense, but like that's the thing. So it's just yeah. like approaching it like a game, a game exactly. where there are rules. Just have fun with it. You know, like learn the rules, work on your skills to make yeah. you a better player of the game. But at the end of the day, that's all it is. That's really, really insightful. And I think, yeah, most businesses and business owners that I meet who are subscribed to the fast growth mentality, it's like they're they're addicted to the adrenaline that comes from new things and growth and change. And I think this is what I fell into a lot. And yeah, tying your self-worth to the business is a big one. I definitely had that that. And I think that's part of the reason we grew so quickly because that was my main source of self-worth, I think. And then I learned to decouple myself from that. And then what happened was I got really bored because I was like, 
wait, you're telling me that this entire time I knew exactly how to grow. It's just that I caused myself to get distracted by chasing <laughs> shiny objects. Like back in 2019, I had the strategy, but you know, and, and we've grown since then, which is cool. But like, I didn't need to put myself through all that, that stress. I literally knew back in 2019, like if I just stuck with the same strategy, I could have gotten the same exact point with literally no difference, just no stress basically. And that's a, that's a huge thing. And I, I kind of feel like with this podcast too, I mean, I, a lot of people listen to it. It's called how to scale an agency. And so when I started the podcast, I was kind of subscribed to that mentality. And uh, I was kind of feeding the monster, I think of this like group think around just like everything's about fast growth. And now I've kind of like taken a philosophical shift where I think that's the wrong way to grow a business, mainly because when you get in that mindset, you cut corners and you don't think. And then when you actually do have a lot of growth, you care so much about it that you're more prone to making quick decisions that can tank that growth. As opposed to if you don't care and you're just doing it for other reasons, it'll probably just keep growing and you won't feel stressed about it. You won't feel like you're going to lose it because you never cared about getting it to begin with. It was just something that happened, you know? And so, yeah, anyways, that's my rant. You, but. No, I appreciate that. And do you see that feeling that you had, that that pressure to grow in that way? Was that a product of kind of the Silicon Valley thinking yes. around unicorns and around a hundred Xing and you're not a tech company, right? But you're right. that mentality is so pervasive. Is that what that was? Well, we ended up getting into software. And so part of the growth we had was around the software we have, but I think a lot of that was like, yeah, it was sort of this culmination of five years of like starting off my entrepreneurial journey, reading the book, Elon Musk, like the biography of Elon Musk. And I was like, I like that one a lot. Yeah, this is before he was insane, all this crazy stuff. But like, you know, he was just a really smart entrepreneur that everyone wanted to be like. It's funny because I remember that shift happened where in the entrepreneurial community, there was like everyone saying they wanted to be like Elon Musk. They want to be like Elon Musk. And that kind of shifted a lot. But the thing is that I read that book and I was like, well, he, you know, at 28, he was like worth like $30 million. I have to be worth $30 million by the time of 28 if I want to make a big impact on the world. And so it's like getting caught up in that, going like a million miles an hour. I think the thing was, and this is where a lot of people get confused, I think, is they think it's a decision of I need to work less or I need to work more. And that's not actually the dichotomy. I think that's kind of a false dichotomy. I think mm -hmm. it's like, where do you derive your self-worth from? Because the reason a lot of people work a lot of hours when they're addicted to work is because they derive their self-worth from that. But if you don't derive your self-worth from it, if you think of it as play almost like a fun thing to do and, and you don't really care what the outcome is, then you'll love the process. You might work more hours, you might work less hours, but it doesn't matter. You have other things in your life that you care about, right? So yeah, definitely Silicon Valley, like the whole growth mindset. I was obsessed with that for a long time. So, and it got me pretty far, quote unquote, but like at what cost? And then also like, it's actually not the right way to grow in my opinion. Like it actually causes more harm than good. And all those VC companies, 99% of them fail anyways, and they're not profitable. So like, why would you subscribe to a mindset that has a 99% chance of failure? It doesn't make any sense, you know? Yeah. Well, I was listening, it was an episode of the, the, my first million guys, you know, that pod, Yeah, but they were, they were talking about that in the VC game, you can do that deal for 15 years before anybody f figures out you suck at it. You know, that, that, <laughs> yeah. that business model, you're actually able to, to keep it going yeah. for a while, but I, I appreciate what you're saying about the deriving your self-worth from the work as, as a lawyer, that's been, 
that's been something I've had to really reckon with where I, I knew I didn't want to be a lawyer anymore. I'd, I never yeah. should have gone to law school in the first place. Actually, I should have started companies <laughs> from the time I was 19 years old, but I was right. afraid. So I went to law school. I took the safe route. And then even like once I was, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. I want to get out. There was still a, a real challenge around yeah. if I'm not a lawyer, yeah. who am I? It was an interesting thing, but yeah, I feel you on that. I mean, all humans, I feel are trying to either go towards comfort or away from discomfort, but they really suck at being in the middle. Like that's the thing I've realized in the last few quarters is like the feeling of doing nothing is actually a much scarier place to be in mentally because you're like, I am content. And when you're content, it's like you have all these instincts kicking in saying like you either need to be doing more or doing less. And it's hard to be just content with yourself. And that's like a big, big problem. I think you got to be okay with being bored and being okay with your thoughts. Like you can't just like be obsessing over artificial things. Like you have to be present. So that's my take, but I appreciate yours as well. It's like really an interesting conversation. That's spot on. I've got another project called the wilds in the woods around healthy masculinity and started with a couple of dudes and, the framework we're thinking about that in is it's just all about the hero's journey over and over and over again, where you're starting from comfort, you're starting from familiarity, you're stepping over a threshold into the place where growth happens and beyond our comfort zones, you're doing what's out there, you're learning something and then you come back, you come back, you're comfortable, you're back in the familiar, you're integrating what you learned, but understand that you're not staying there, right? It's it's just right. until the next time we step out and we yeah. can do that in all different areas of our life and in different things we want to be learning, building, doing, making, right? And the comfort zone is a dangerous thing over time. I totally agree. And uh, that's definitely going to be an important project you're working on because, uh, and I think to my audience, even as well, because disproportionately, I know Spotify gives you like the gender graphs. It's almost entirely guys. Like, I, I, I don't know why. I mean, it's like, I'm trying to not have it be entirely dudes, but it's like 85% <laughs> men. So it's just like, I, that's just who listens to the stuff, I guess. But it is important because a lot of the influencers in the space are very toxic, <laughs> like mm-hmm. around masculinity and things like that. It's pretty scary. But anyways, man, I, I'm really appreciative for you being on the show. Thank you for being on. It's been a great conversation. And I'm glad we talked about things that were maybe outside of business as well, because I rarely do on this show. And I think a lot of people need to hear it. So I appreciate it. And do you have anything that people can do to take up following you or working with you or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, you can learn a little bit more about me at tonyalbrecht.me, but uh, the main place to find me is LinkedIn. Yeah. Follow him on LinkedIn. It's got great content. Been following him now for a while. And I'm really excited to see this further success with the brand, which I know will happen. And uh, as you get, you know, your podcast going, it's going to be really exciting seeing where that goes. So thank you for being on the show. And for everybody listening, Tony is on LinkedIn. You can follow him there. You can message him and connect with him and just follow his story as he grows on the platform and continues putting out great content. So thank you so much for being on the show, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. This, This was fun.